0: With daily live breakthrough coaching, an intimate and supportive community, regular peer-to-peer connection calls, and a complete vault of resources, this is where your path to total freedom and effortless enjoyment of your new way of life begins. Join us at NakedMindPath.com. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast, and I am here with Donna. Welcome, Donna. How are you? I'm great.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: I'm so happy to have you. So why don't you take us back to the beginning uh, in your journey with alcohol? Where did it all start for you? Sure. Um, I, I didn't grow up with alcohol in my house. So
1: I really didn't start drinking much until college. And I prided myself at the time of being one of those controlled drinkers, right? I was the one helping everybody else when they got sick from alcohol. I was the one that, you know, had it under control. And I think that was a really big thing for me. Um, and then, you know, as time went on, um, that skill came in handy because like you, I was in marketing and sales. So there was a lot of drinking. I, I really related well to, to your story because I had the same things, um, you know, taking people out for drinks, being the one to pick the wine list, um, you know, the wine from the wine list, you know, that became part of my personality, um, being the one who, you know, passed out all the shots, but I didn't really drink. I would be careful not to drink till the end of the night and didn't really realize I was drinking alone, right. A lot of the time, because I had to keep it together during the meetings and the dinners and the after hours stuff. So it was really, really, um, an interesting time. I mean, and and I think, I feel badly now in a way, you know, for all of the, the pay, the wine that I paid for and all the different things that I did over that time. So, so that was, you know, controlled to a certain extent, and then it kind of got out of control. And I think as my marriage started to fail, I, I started to drink more. It became something that I had to do the drinking alone became a big thing. You know, I think a lot of the things that you talk about and, and I, if I think about, um, it was an awareness thing, right? So you don't really think it's an issue for a long time. And then suddenly, you know, you feel like you're with every, everybody you're with is doing the same thing. So you're like, I'm not a problem, am I? You know, and um, and it really took me a while. It took me, you know, doing you know, the teacher training to start to get aware of my body and trying to get healthier. And then I would say I started to, look at like how healthy I was, you know, and I was, you know, eating less meat and I was eating, you know, um, more vegetables and I was drinking almond milk and then I was drinking Chardonnay, yeah. you know, so it was like, um, and I was aware of it, but I wasn't stopping. I mean, it wasn't like I was, you know, and my, and my yoga teacher, uh, training person would say, Hey, you know, you guys should really be careful about what you're eating. And I would fight them about it. I'm like, well, you know, wine's good for you. Right. And, you know, but I, but those nuggets kept like, you know, those little things kept prickling at my head, but I wasn't willing to, to step up and say I had a problem. So, you know, step forward years, right. It keeps happening. You know, you keep kind of thinking about it, but you don't really get there. And really the pandemic is what, um, made me really think, you know, because at that point I, you know, already been with two men. Um, I married the second one who did not drink. So I'm, you know, I'm, making these, you know, efforts to move away from drinking in my relationships and realizing that it's okay not to drink, but I'm still the only one drinking. And then when the pandemic hit, I'm getting my, you know, three cartons of almond milk and six bottles of Chardonnay. Yep. <laughs> because I'm like, I'm freaking out that I might not have Chardonnay. Um, and that's when I had to actually say, okay, wait a minute. Like I actually have something going on here. There's a real addiction. Maybe other people are having it too. I'm not sure, but I am, there's something up here, and it still took me a year until I um, I wrote a book uh, about the time you know that I talked about the divorce and I went through some losses, which also give you a lot of opportunity to continue drinking because you say oh I'm going through a tough time so I drink. Mm-hmm. So um, I was able to look through that book and say wait a minute you know and I I kept you know, blacking out drunk, and I would, you know, continue to do these, you know, things that were just not great with alcohol, and um, my beta reader for my memoir said, so I thought you were going to talk about your drinking problem, huh? Wow. <laughs> and I went, and we were on a Zoom call, like you and I are right now, and I, I tried to cover, because that's my job, right, I can cover for myself, but I just was, was like, oh, yeah, hmm, I should probably do something about that. (laughs) So, um, it was, and then two days later I listened to 10% happier and you were on and I found the alcohol experiment. So that's the long story of it, but, um, it took, it it takes a long time, I think, to figure it out unless you have that, you know, hit the wall moment, which I didn't, I mean, I, I had, it was just a a long slog of drinking and realizing it wasn't good for me.
0: No. Yeah, that I really relate to that. I relate to the lots of little moments instead of one big moment, you know, that just little things that happened and little comments that people would make and just kind of brushing them off. That's that's so interesting. So, did you know this beta reader well? Like, I feel it's kind of an audacious thing for her to say.
1: I did not. And um, I, I actually blessed her. At the time, I was resistant as all get out. Um, it was a really tough, um, thing to read and to, you know, her, she put it in notes and she pointed it out and she was lovely. She's a lovely person, but she changed my life, you know, because I think she had the, on, you know, she was honest with me and, um, and, and maybe she could do that because, you know, she didn't know me as well. I, you know, I think, I think sometimes we want to cover for each other a little bit, yeah. uh, to our close friends. We don't want to point out the things that are really happening, but I, it was a gift. Um, a huge gift from me, and then and then it's just the universe, right? Like two, three days, I find you, and um, and and the way you talked about it, and the other piece of it is that I had anxiety, and you hit the anxiety nerve immediately, right? This is right. not helping your anxiety, and I'm like, I thought that's what it was doing, right? <laughs> all this time, I was like, oh wait a minute, that that was, I mean, that's a light bulb, um, and it's. And, and then I was doing the three o'clock in the morning wake ups and all the things you describe in the front of your book. And I, I, um, it was like, okay, I'm home. I figured this out. This is, this is a real thing. Um, and it gave me a will to, to figure it out. Um,
0: so, um, yeah, with the anxiety specifically, I mean, I know for me that it has made such a difference and it's not that I don't feel anxiety anymore. I certainly do, but it is, it's not an everyday thing, whereas it was an everyday thing. It's maybe a few times a month thing, maybe be kind of in a bad space for a week here and there, but, and I feel like I have not only more tools to pull out of it, but also what I make it mean is quite different. You know, like I can just be like, okay, my body is feeling this way and I'm going to just walk around with this today. I'm going to just handle this kind of pit in my stomach feeling. I don't have to make this mean that my whole life is falling apart or that I'm doing everything wrong or that, you know, some tragedy is imminent. Like I, I can actually say, no, this is, this is what's happening with me physically and chemically and and that's okay. Um, and it did take me some time to get there after I did stop drinking, but I'm curious what your experience was like. That's a great question. I
1: felt the anxiety went down quite a bit right afterwards. Um, I wasn't having the morning after like the hangover, they weren't complete hangovers really, but they were, I mean, it was, I would wake up and it was like being shot out of a, out of a cannon, right. Immediately you're anxious, you, you know, the self hate loathing because you, you know, went over two drinks, um, again, um, the three, I wasn't sleeping well, which is huge for anxiety, of course, as you know. So I think all of those things kind of started to heal pretty quickly, I mean, I agree. I, I still have anxiety. I, I have had it for a long time. I have, you know, that's unwound in my book. I had, you know, a childhood that was difficult. So, you know, I have a lot of natural triggers that kind of happen all the time. Alcohol was not helping them. And I think I'm less anxious and able to, as you were saying, I can now I wasn't numbing myself. So in some ways, just like in grief, too, you kind of prolong the problem by numbing it. You know, you don't actually deal with it. You don't actually um, notice it as much. So you can't figure out other ways to cope. You just kind of are always numbing it. And then you never really fix it. And I don't know if you ever fix anxiety, but you, you do figure out ways to cope better. Um, and like you said, you know, it's going to, it's a wave, right? Just like grief, it's a wave. I know it's going to go up and down and I'm aware of it. So when you're constantly numbing it, you can never have that experience and gain the confidence. From it. Yeah,
0: um, that really hits a nail in the head. Is like you, if you're always pushing it away, you know. It, I, I use the analogy of it's almost like taking have a wound and then you take a band aid and you slap it over the wound without any healing ointment or anything, and then you just created this like damp, wet place for it where maybe you don't see it uh, for those moments that the band aid's on, but the band aid falls off and it's actually festered and gotten worse. And so that's how it felt to me and it wasn't until I was willing to remove the bandaid, actually look at the wound. Um, it's not that there isn't healing to be done. And I agree with you that it's something that probably is a, never gonna be better from, uh, but, and and I think it's part of the human experience to have this sort of, I mean, anxiety is worry about unknown things that are gonna happen. And for me, it manifests really physically. And it really feels like that pit in my stomach, that kind of fire in my gut. Um, and then, you know, you are looking at it, you actually take steps to at least heal it somewhat, though, instead of just letting it progressively get worse and deteriorate.
1: Yeah, well, you integrate into your life, right? I know I'm feeling this way. Um, you know, Tara Brock talks a lot about this. I'm sure you've heard of her. She'll talk a lot mm-hmm. about these are just these are just um instincts right and we've developed them over time because it's keeping us safe but at some point it's no longer keeping us safe it's just making us uh, you know less connected and and you know always searching for something to fix it and like you said we can't do that yeah. um, so i think that you know it's, it's been really helpful to to feel the feelings um and to gain confidence i think one of the things that's funny is you know when i show my pictures in the groups um The picture of day one, uh, everybody says, you look, you look so scared. Um, And I didn't, I don't look confident. And then as you know, the pictures progress, they they say you look confident. And it was, and that's true. I was, I was, I think, you know, making, you can make yourself a lot, very, very anxious by being um, unsure of yourself, you know, because, and one of the things that was making me really unsure was this drinking thing I was doing that I knew was wrong for me. At some point, it took a while to get to the that it wasn't right for me. But you keep doing that thing to yourself; it's going to feed in anxiety. It's going to feed in a lot of negative stuff. And um, removing that, I think, was a huge help for my confidence. And then also that just that just feeds uh, and helps you with your anxiety.
0: Mm-hmm. That makes well, sense. Yeah, That's so true. That's absolutely my mirrors my experience. Um, you mentioned the name of your book. Will you mention that again?
1: Oh sure, um, thank you for that. Um, it's called "We've Got to Stop Meeting Like This," um, and my name's Donna Ferris F E R R I S. If you want to find it, um, struggled to find a, a, a title for the book. I don't know about you, but it's a hard <laughs> thing to do. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> but th- what ended up happening? It is actually a line uh, in the book that I say um, to my detriment, and um, and what it really means is uh, for me anyway is that. I couldn't face life as it was. So I was always numbing. I was always pushing away life. And, you know, as, as many um, spiritual folks will say, is, you know, suffering is not, you know, accepting the world as it is and expecting it to change. And I was that, you know, I was like, we've got to stop this. I can't deal with things the way they are. I don't want, this to, I don't want us to meet like this because that was what I did for a living was arrange meetings. And I said, it wasn't perfect. I wasn't going to be able to do it. And so that, you know, this book is really, you know, about my journey and trying to, you know, accept life as it was. And there was a lot of things that I had to accept <laughs> that were really, really difficult, um, that I came out the other side and, and it has a good ending, but, um, and the, and the drinking was a big part of it. I mean, I, and in the book, I unwind that, um, you know, once I got the beta readers feedback, I went back and really looked at my journey and, and, um, one thing I wanted to talk about too is that my kids were really um, part of my journey. I mean, my daughter, who's a young adult, you know, was a big part of how I um, became sober. She's the one who came to me with an Arbon 30 day fast and says, Mom, I think you should do it. And I'm like, Well, what does it mean? And she, you know, she lists the things and then she lists that you're not going to, you know, you can't drink. And I'm like, What? i <laughs> am I not going to drink? Um, And that was, you know, that was a great thing that she brought it to me. And, you know, we ended up doing it together, but I, you know, I had a hard time, you know, for a long time being able to do it for that long. Um, So, I mean, I, you know, having your kids, you know, bring it up to you. And I, I don't know if she brought it up to me because she was concerned about me, but I'm really thankful that she did.
0: I, I, my kids (laughs) are really small, but I remember my son Mm -hmm. saying things like he didn't want to be near me because he thought I smelled bad or, you know, just different, different things like that, or my teeth were purple and yeah, just those moments with your children. They're really poignant when you were talking about that. Um, especially in your book, how you talk about the, uh, just acceptance over resistance. I read this quote recently, and I don't know who said this, but I screenshotted it on my phone and it says the desire for a more positive experience is itself a negative experience. And paradoxically, the acceptance of one's negative experience is itself a positive experience. And I feel like there are so many layers to that quote, but like my desire for a more positive experience by kind of pouring wine onto everything became a truly negative experience. And even just the desire of looking around and saying, man, I wish things were better. That that gap in that wish, that desire for things to be better is really making what is worse, right? Where paradoxically, if you accept the negative experience, like say my anxiety and, and I learn the tools to yeah, walk around with it, like understand that it doesn't define me. And that becomes a really positive experience because of the confidence that I've learned. Right. And I just think that it's really great. Well, the confidence that you can withstand it being different
1: than what you want, and and then here's the you know here's the master class right. Then we start to say when it's not the way we want it, this is the learning opportunity. I'm not saying that I'm there every day. <laughs>
0: right. I'm
1: not there like you know more than once in a in a blue moon sometimes. Um, but that's the master class right. The difficulty, the difficult person, the difficult situation, all of those things are actually there to teach us something um but that is not easy to remember um like yesterday i I did these daily um for the month of february as i'm getting down to my one year which is march one thank you for that um i am doing these thank you i'm doing these morning meditations on facebook and instagram and yesterday facebook i couldn't get the go live to work and so i had a huge tantrum um you know on myself you know i'm like sitting there i'm not going to do it forget it blah you know and it was so funny. And then I'm reading Melody Beatty's journey to the heart and her thing for the day was totally that like, if you, you know, expect things to be, you know, uh, perfect, you're going to be disappointed, you know, disappointments come, but you have to roll with them, blah, 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 blah. And here I'm like going, okay, Melody, <laughs> like, this is my, you know, this is my, uh, my lesson today. And so what happens all the time we get, we run into things. I think the thing that we try to, I try to build for myself, um, is resilience right and be able to come back from them quicker right and and not drinking because when I would drink I would go straight to the bad I mean I would be angry immediately I would you know everything would be much worse because of the alcohol and that's just like you've talked it's just a biological thing but it it is so many bad things happened with a drink in my hand Um, and I'm not saying they don't come you know without one but I'm not adding to the, I'm not lighting the fire,
0: you know? I'm
1: not making it work.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's just such a profound point. And it is just getting some, I like, I really like this idea from, I think it was Mark Manson. Uh, He wrote this and I think in his book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Bleep, he talks about the story of (laughs) (laughs) disappointment panda. And it's like, you can just imagine like, and he describes this disappointment panda, like this huge kind of like sad panda coming to your door. And he's, he's going door to door with this disappointing news and he knocks on your door and he just, and and Mark was saying that he really wished disappointment panda had come to visit him earlier in his life, because although it's disappointing, the news he's going to share, it is very empowering at the same time. And the news is that life is problems. So any effort and attempt you're making to try to make a problem-free life or try to escape problems, it's false and it will never work. And so the trick isn't to try to not have the problems, which is what so much of my drinking was to try to not have problems. The trick is to decide which problems you want and realize you're intentionally choosing them. So do I want the problem of being hungover or do I want the problem of navigating that happy hour with, uh, you know, a seltzer water instead of a bottle of wine, right? Or do I want the problem of being broke? Or do I want the problem of going to work? <laughs> like, Which, like, yes. just know that you're making a choice. And sometimes those things can be like, oh, man, it is disappointing. But when you understand that, that it is all choice, right, then you are enabling yourself, you, you finally have like, okay, well, it is my choice. Like, nobody's coming to, to rescue me, I can, choose what problems i want
1: yes and I, I love i was listening to a podcast with annie lamott and she said choose grace over drama so simple i love that i love that i love that Gosh, you can because really there's so many situations she can parenting
0: pray. parenting like that goes or, right to parenting or, for me
1: doesn't it four words yeah. Grace over drama, and so many times, right? And drama can feel good, it can feel great to wallow in something, it can feel great to get excited and excitable about things. Um, but uh, if you can step back and not, you know, add to it or, um, you know, take the higher road when you can, you know, all those things are just so helpful. Um, pause because it's not going to matter in 15 seconds, but right there, it's going to matter, and you're going to say something that's going to really break things rather than bend. I mean, all those things, but I just love that choose grace over drama every
0: time. I love that so much. And yeah, I just think of so many times where you think you your knee jerk reacting and you think, Oh, this is going to be the solution. But when you respond instead of react that, that's really great. I also just want to circle back to what you said about, um, you know, the masterclass and, you know, the masterclass, mm-hmm really getting to a point, And this takes for me, it's a forever journey. I'm never going to be there, but even getting to a point where you're not only accepting what's happening, but you can almost have gratitude for the disappointments as they're happening. Right. And like almost shortening that thing. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine, she's very pregnant do any day. And she has been in a job interview process throughout her whole pregnancy. And she had gotten a call. Um, it just kept dragging on and on. And, and anyway, so there was a lot of anxiety because she was a shoe in for this job. She really wanted it, but she's like, I literally will get this job and go on maternity leave. And she, she got this call uh, that was basically that they're, they're postponing the search for a few months, which is kind of the best bo- possible yeah. wor- world for her. But it also gives her some anxiety because she's like, great. Like that's not a bird in the hand, right? That's a big maybe. And while I'm peaceful that I can just take maternity leave with my current job, there's a lot of anxiety here. Anyway, um, something came to mind that I've heard a lot of times, which is like, gosh, if not this, then something better. And I said that to her and she felt so much relief in that. And I think that if we almost can have gratitude in the moments of disappointment, which again, is the masterclass, like it is like, Mm -hmm. uh, I am not there, but Gosh, how would that, I think I've been there a few times. I think there's been a few times where something disappointing has happened and I can think, yeah, okay, then there's something better. Like there's there's a reason that this disappointment is happening to me. There's a reason that, um, and I think that for me with alcohol that's really in hindsight, very true. I clearly was not there in the moments of of looking at my relationship with alcohol but this is so much better. Right. And so if I could have thought, well, okay, if, if this isn't the end all be all, then there's actually a better alternative that wasn't accessible to me by any stretch of the imagination. But
1: yeah, I mean, I and I think as you were talking, I was thinking of um, the Untethered Soul by oh, Michael. I love Winger. that book. Don't know if you know that book. Mm-hmm. So that book. Um, he talks about the peace of all that passes all understanding, which shows up in a lot of religion too. Um, you know, it's in the Bible and so forth, but it's the idea that you can on even your worst possible day, still be able to rise above it all and be peaceful because in your own existence, you choose your reaction, right? You can control when you get to that point um, of doing it again, not easy. Um, in my book, uh, on one of the darkest days of my life, I threw that book into my bag on the way to the hospital, and it got me through that time. Right. So I highly recommend that to anybody who's trying to figure out kind of this, this, you know, how to find that joy in the midst of difficulty. And, you know, let's be completely frank. I mean, the COVID experience, um, you know, I hear it a lot in my yoga classes, meditation classes, and so forth. People are, still struggling quite a bit you know with this you know constant malaise that we are in Mm -hmm. Um, I think I'm doing better with it because of the the practices that that in the readings and so forth and not drinking because I don't think it helps but it's still you know it's still there it's still like this somebody I heard on a podcast this morning it's kind of a steady hum of you know of of difficulty um that people feel in this time um so Anyway, I bring up that book. I think it's a really helpful one for, it's, for it's kind a great of trying book. to navigate that.
0: I read that book multiple times, and it was probably one of the first ones that I sort of read in sobriety early on. And yeah, just so profound in kind of making sense of some of the inner life that we have. And, and actually, you know, I, I've heard it said recently that disappointment often is because of overimportance on certain things. So if, if, and this is very Buddhist, right? If you, if you are putting right. over importance on certain things, then you're not going to be disappointed. But I think that this, the untethered soul, and I've read his other book as well, which was a little bit different, but it, um, it really gives you a, almost a framework for, for understanding that things aren't as important as our seem to want them to be. right? And actually yeah. there's so we much give them power. power that isn't true. And I think that the doorway to everything we're talking about, whether it's, if not this, then better or gratitude in the moment or lack of importance, the doorway to all of that is through just the first initial thought that I actually have a choice. Like, I don't have to be completely attached to my thinking. I don't have to be completely attached to my behavior. Like I don't have to be on autopilot. Like there, there has to be some sort of just brief interruption to say, wait, wait, I might, there might be an alternative here. There might be a choice. And and I actually do have that capacity to choose. And that path to choosing, it's not easy. It doesn't happen overnight. But even just the possibility or the awareness that there is an ability to choose. And it sounds so trite when people are like, well, you can choose to feel good in the moment, or you can choose to be happy, or just smile. And I remember getting so frustrated with people when I'm in a bad mood, they're just like, just smile, just choose to be happy. And so I don't think it's that easy. But I think the recognition that I am for me, the door was recognizing that I'm making the choice to stay in whatever misery I am. Like I might not choose to just smile, but at least I'm recognizing that I'm choosing to stay with this kind of sourpuss look on my face, or I'm choosing to stay, you know, drinking or whatever, just recognizing like, okay, I'm going to have a choice in this.
1: And and I think stopping drinking gives you a lot of confidence in that. Mm -hmm. I
0: think
1: it, Makes you real. I think that what's interesting about um, being in the groups, you know, on Facebook and so forth um, related to the alcohol experiment is finding a lot of people are going through that journey at the same time. You know, they're realizing that their choice to stop drinking is a choice that they can make in a lot of different areas in their life. It doesn't, it can be a choice they make in food, it can be a choice they make in people. You know, uh, those five people that you spend your time with um, make a huge difference in your life um and so you know looking at those things not that we walk away from people but we recognize how we feel with certain people I think is really important but you see a lot of people doing that they're able to make different decisions in their life because they, they realize that they're making a choice here and it's working and they see all the benefits of that choice and then they can apply it everywhere else you know you can yeah. say okay I can stop eating Cheetos although I still eat Cheez-Its but I don't eat Cheetos right <laughs> <laughs> You can stop eating some, you know, you can make these, some of these choices, you know, it's, it, it just, it's, it's an amazing when you can do one thing that you wanted to do for so long. It um, does just give you so and much And you were comfort. doing it to yourself. Yeah. And you were doing it to yourself. I mean, I think there's mm. just such a, and, you know, I mean, I, and I, and I think I like, I like the way you come at this um, because, you know, some people can drink. I mean, some people are able to do it. I mean, I, I, I think that there are issues around it. But, you know, health issues for sure. Um, but some people are able to do it. I just wasn't able to, and yeah. it was something that was, you know, really hurting me internally because I knew it was wrong for me and I just kept doing it.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, it was a choice. Like you're saying, it was a choice that I was doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so let me ask you sort of close off with, with two specific things. And first is, uh, you know i i read the article that you wrote recently um about I, I, r.i.p but i have such a hard time pronouncing his name but tich Nhat han mm. tich not han poem mm. taught me mindful drinking and can you just yeah. speak to that a bit and the the poem specifically?
1: oh yeah i would love that um so um yeah that's a that is a uh was a was a wonderful idea i um, which was not mine, um, it was interesting, I, I uh, when I heard that he died, and I was so touched, um, but I was sitting there, you know, in my, uh, uh, you know, in my yoga clothes going to my husband, I, what can I say about this, I and mean, I love to write, but what am I going to say about this, everybody's going to say all these great things about this man, I am just not worthy um, to say anything, and he forwarded me that poem, and, um, and I looked at it, and I went, "Oh my God, I have a ton of things to say," <laughs> because of my of, of my sober journey. Because, and then I was able to talk about. Um, so when I was in college, that's when I really de- determined or was diagnosed with a general anxiety disorder, and a medical um, anxiety disorder. And there's a lot of reasons for it. And I, I alluded to it. I had a lot of child childhood dysfunction and abuse, which is a big thing in the alcohol community, um, and. Um, I was unable to leave my room, my dorm room. And so my therapist, my first therapist uh, was trying to find a way for me to leave my room. And he said, I started to feel, I was able to find comfort in having something in my hand to drink. So I started off with Diet Coke. And then as I have kids that turned to coffee, cause I couldn't stay awake. And then as I, as I alluded to earlier, it really became wine, you know, through my working days. So I, so when I had a, pull away from alcohol, I had to find something to, to drink instead, and it was tea. And the Thich Nhat Hanh, um, poem is about his love of tea and how he, um, he does a whole tea meditation around it. And it's done, you know, in other circles, um, and certainly it's done in the Asian communities, for sure, um, in Asian culture. Um, but the idea of, you know, brewing the tea, you know, smelling the tea, you know, getting into all of your senses with the tea gives you a break, it gives you a meditative um, feeling. Um, it's just, you know, it's just a, an area of solace. And so, so I tied the two things together, um, my journey, finding tea and finding peace in tea, and then um, him finding peace in tea. And then, um, and then he also believes in, um, you know, ongoing spiritual lives, uh, that, we, that we don't really die. Um, this is a very Buddhist idea, which I, I, I have, I write about it this in my book, because I had a very um, close experience with that with someone I lost. So I, I, you know, I have some evidence around that, which I write about. Um, and so the idea the way that the piece ends, um, and the way I hope uh, to meet him someday is over a cup of tea. So um, it was, you know, uh, I loved the ability in that piece to talk about my sobriety, talk about how I got there with tea. Um, a lot, you know from and from the the group um, the groups that that uh, are with the alcohol experiment, but also to be able to honor such a a wonderful man, um, a giant, uh, but mm. you know here's a, here he is we all think so wonderfully of him, but um, you know, he found this piece in the t too and and um, and you know it just it, it makes him more human. I mean that's what's so beautiful about his writing is he was so honest about. The experience of of being human, um, and just did not preach it from high. He was in the, you know, in the muck with all of us. Um, so uh, it was lovely to to write that piece. And it, it and what has been great about it in the uh, Facebook groups for Alcohol Experiment is, you know, we were able to share. I asked people what they like to drink in terms of tea, and boy, you know, lots and lots of responses. It's
0: just such a great,
1: um, a great community uh, uh, of support. I love that so much. Thank you for asking me about that.
0: Um, And we'll link that article in the show notes for sure. And um, so his book that I was most recently touched by is his book *Fear: Essential Wisdom for Getting Mm. Through the Storm*. And the idea of, and I do have such a deep belief that the way out is often through. And you know, this Mm. book is an incredibly challenging book. I do not recommend it unless you are in a place where you are ready to go there but confronting our own fears um, can be so empowering because once we, it's, it's like anything else, like once you realize that you can just go right in there and look it right in the face, you do gain confidence. It doesn't make it less scary, but it makes you realize that you can handle what comes, right? And so I, I found his book, uh, Fear, really, um, really empowering, really challenging. I also wanted to mm-hmm. share, as you talked about tea, My mom, uh, she lives back and forth between Australia and the US because uh, her husband is Australian and they have in their bathroom um, this like old, I forget its it's fabric, but it's a big tapestry type thing. And it's a Warren Fahey, Australian folklore poem. And it starts out like this. You can talk of your whiskey and talk of your beer, but there's something much nicer that's waiting us here. It sits by the fire beneath the gum tree. There's nothing quite like it, a billy of tea. And it keeps going on about, you know, how this person just whatever, like, go ahead, drink all you want, talks about beer, talks about like, keeps going, but I've made my choice and I don't know. I just, I, my mom has never been a I drinker and she didn't put it, She just loves tea. So I don't think the alcohol was prevalent to her, but like for me, especially when I was, I'd seen it my whole life. And then when I was, um, you know, not drinking, I was like, oh, I see this through a whole new way. It's very cool so yeah. yeah tea for the it, wind it, it,
1: it's finding tea for the wind club soda for the wind i mean i think and in, and in i know if it was that article it was the one i wrote for the post of that but i said you know going to parties and and just i'm trying to get people to you know have the 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 LaCroix or the polar orange dry which is the best of the bunch in my opinion um you know have tea available you know people just don't you know we need to start letting people know that there's there's a lot of us that don't want to drink and um it's a lot cheaper to give us tea it's yeah. a lot cheaper to give us club soda um so i it, you know i'm i hope it changes i mean i hope i see it changing you know i ask for mocktails everywhere now, now trying to get you know people to understand that it, that it's something that we want and some people really rise to the occasion and they love it you know they'll bring the bartender will actually walk to the table and present you know this new concoction, So I'm hopeful that it'll change more uh, more for folks because it's just better for all of us, really.
0: Yeah, I love that so much. So let's finish up with this question, Donna, which is if you were going to sort of go back in time to the woman who felt like, yeah, this is becoming a problem during COVID, during 2020, and, and really talk to her about what life is like for you now, what would you say? I'd say, you know, I know that you can't imagine
1: what it's going to be like without it. You think you're going to lose so much, you know, friends, and um, you're going to lose yourself uh, in this decision, but you will gain everything. Mm. You know, you will gain yourself. You'll gain, um, people will accept you. I have not had issues with people accepting me. They've, um, I don't know if that's because I, they thought I needed this. <laughs> it could be, Um, But I I have not had that issue. People have been incredibly respectful of the decision that I'm making. Um, So I I would tell that person that it's okay and that you're going to be able to make this change. And what's on the other side of it is um, an endless uh, brilliance of your life um, that you didn't even know you had. Um, And I look back, I think some ways it's almost like going back to being a child again because Mm -hmm. everything's so bright and shiny um you know and and it's been so long since i've I've seen it that way
0: it's it's just wonderful that's so great well thank you so much for coming on i really appreciate it thank you for sharing your story
1: oh thanks for having me and thank you so much for the alcohol experiment and it's it's changed my life and and for my family too so thank you
0: oh you're so welcome Hi, it's Annie Grace. I wanted to interrupt this podcast, I guess the end of this podcast, to say that if you're totally serious about actually and truly and forevermore transforming your relationship with alcohol, Really leaving it behind in the rearview mirror for once and forever and changing your psychology about it We have a program called the path that i've created specifically for you Now it's not for you if you're still dabbling or trying to figure out where you want to be or Maybe even if you still want to moderate all those things are fine. That's great But if you're beyond that and you're like, no, I just want to be done with this I'm ready to invest some time and i'm ready to just make this happen. I want the answer I want the easy way out then I want you to check out naked mind and join us in the path where you receive coach guided and community support so that you can truly make this lasting change that you want in your life and as always rate review and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today